Woo! Don't go like making a don't go making a deal with the devil or anything about your computer because yeah, it's not worth it. Because it's yeah, uh-huh. it'll just find up with a bunch <laughs> of viruses in there probably. Yeah, and then you know you'll be you'll have a good twenty four years, but then you'll be you know yeah, your soul will be eternally in torment, and that's that's not good. It's not it's not great. Um, is there anything that you would make that kind of a, a pact for? Oh, interesting. Um, well, you know, if I was a mermaid and I wanted to have legs and live on land, uh-huh. possibly, uh-huh. I might do that. Sure. Yeah. What about you? If I was an indie rock and roll musician and I really wanted people <laughs> to take my references seriously, I might I might do it. Or I might just yeah. write that into my lyrics a whole lot. Sure. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Even if you didn't. Even if it was clear from the lyrics of the song that you didn't actually understand what sure. you were referencing. <laughs> sure. Or if I had, like, I feel like if I had seen it in, like, an Animaniacs plot line or like a cartoon mm-hmm. where it's just like the little like bare bones of it all, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or or Wishbone. Wishbone. Uh-huh. Aww. What's the story, Wishbone? Cutie pie. Oh, hi, and listeners. Wishbone introduced me. Wishbone introduced me to so many works of classic Western yeah. literature. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good little guy. Great times. Great times. <laughs> yeah. When, it's like my it's like my third favorite Pride and Prejudice adaptation is the Wishbone <laughs> episode. <laughs> when when dogs the world over are asked who's a good boy, the answer is Wishbone. Uh, uh yes. Yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wishbone is Mr. Darcy is like the best oh, thing you'll ever see. Little <laughs> cutie pie. Yeah. Anyway, oh, did you say that we had listeners right now? I said, yeah, hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. Hi. Welcome back to Summer Theater Program. Yeah. Here on Pop So be ready. It's, yes. (laughs) Hope you have your monologues ready to go. Hope you made your deals with devils so that you'll get into this production (laughs) Uh, because it's really um, rigid. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really good one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think this one's a little bit uh this plays a little different from the first two that we discussed because I don't know that I have ever like known of uh of like a production of this play outside of like Shakespeare festivals. Right. And I th- like I've never I don't think that I've seen like a high school do it or like community yeah theater yeah so interesting yeah I wondered if it was like a production cost thing or if it was like the content matter if it felt a little bit because mm-hmm. like yeah it would be it's one that I was as we were kind of researching this um I was thinking it would be a really interesting production to be a part of you know I would be really interested yeah. to see how this is brought um to the stage I think there's a lot of really interesting things you could do with it um so I was a little disappointed yeah. that I haven't seen it um or been and apparently like it. apparently like in early per- oh so the play we're talking about is Dr. Faustus by yes. Christopher Marlowe um and we'll get into a little bit more of the background um is dr- he's dragged down to hell and like apparently it like looked really cool on the stage. Like they somehow right. had like smoke and they would have like the actor playing Faust would be like dragged like through like the trap door and the stage floor. Yeah. And like, I would love to see that. Like that Absolutely. sounds so cool. <laughs> and that makes a lot of like, it's really interesting that like it was, um, I was reading that it was so well done that people believed it was happening. Like for real. Yeah. Yeah, um, which I That's just fascinating, thought. and it may it kind of makes sense for the time that it was originally um, produced and mm-hmm. done, because there was still a lot of like superstition and a lot of things like the the blending between the um, kind of not mythological but like the thi- 
like, you know what I'm trying to say. Like the yeah. science was less um, studied. So these right. things felt more yeah. possible. Um, as I'm saying that, I am aware that, I don't know, the truth is out there, right. friends. I don't know. Well, yeah. And I think, no, like I get what you're saying. I think like people, most people at that time were like more... Um, more in tune or more apt to believe in like a spiritual world beyond the physical world that we can observe. Yeah. Um, you know, just like because of like the prevalence of, you know, Christianity within that society. Um, I just think, um, and also like, you know, science was part of that too. And I just think people, um, were just more apt to, you know, fully buy into and believe that this was actually the devil in the theater. Right. Whereas like now I think it would be hard to believe that a devil would have the time to go to every theater where you saw this produced <laughs> right. and like actually kill the lead character. Like the, the belief in the devil is no less real, but it's um Right. Yeah. He's got a busy I think schedule. it's less a part I think it's less, uh, it's no less, the belief in the devil is no less real, but I think it's less a part of like, or like integrated into people's like everyday lives. And it's like less at the forefront of people's minds now than it was then, if that makes sense. And like the ways of interaction are a little bit, we're like, I think more literal, like a literal person Mm -hmm. will show up and be the devil and all, you know, like it's. That right. influence is kind of talked about just in different ways, I think. Um, yeah. So fascinating yeah. to me, though. Anyway, yes. I, yeah. Yes. I'm, I wasn't quite sure where the discussion was going to go, but now I'm, I'm excited now. <laughs> yeah. No, this is, I, this is good. Yeah. Um, um, so should we do a, a little bit of background yeah. on the play and a little bit of background on Christopher Marlowe himself? You mean the Marlowe down? Before we get into Uh, uh, our full discussion here. Yeah. Do you want to do that since you so graciously found this information? (laughs) I found this and lovingly ripped it straight from Wikipedia. But um, (laughs) the tragical history of the life and death of Dr. Faustus um, is the actual full title, but sometimes it's just referenced as Dr. Faustus. Um, is an Elizabethan tragedy by Mr. Christopher Marlowe, although it is actually based on um, German stories about Faust as the title character. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do know that it was written sometime between 1589 and 1592, and performances may have started in 1592, and then Marlowe passed in 1593. Um, right and then there are also like uh, two different versions of the play um published years later yeah did you have um, like a first experience with it or did you like study it in school before before we do that I just wanted to talk a little bit about Christopher Marlowe yeah no you mean like how you just said you wanted to do that and then I bulldozed over it I'm sorry Let's let's hear more about Marlowe. Yeah. Uh, So Christopher Marlowe, of course, was a contemporary of William Shakespeare. Um, And uh, at at the time, like both of them were like pretty equal, I think, in popularity. Sure. Um, You know, they're both playwrights um, and they both were very involved in um, in the theater um, community and the theater like culture um and they were actually friends um they they knew each other they yeah (laughs) i don't uh, yeah they i i don't know like how i mean obviously we don't know like how close of friends they were but like they did know each other they were aware of each other and you know i think that um you know i'm sure a lot of of uh of scholars and just kind of fans in general will agree with me that um i think the only reason why Shakespeare is so much bigger now than Marlowe is because Marlowe died so young. And so he doesn't have 
as much of a body of work as Shakespeare sure. um, to have endured <laughs> into later centuries. But yeah, I, I think Marlowe's Marlowe is a very interesting figure. You know, just like Shakespeare, he he came from this like, um, you know, he was a commoner. He came from like kind of like what we what we would consider now to be like a middle class, maybe like lower middle class background. Yeah. Um, but he was given the opportunity to study at Oxford which, you know, was like a huge opportunity for someone of his social class at the time. Totally. Um, and then uh, he was like almost definitely a spy for Queen Elizabeth. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So he's like a spy and then also a, um, a, a playwright. So like, <laughs> you know, he, he was part of the gig economy. Um, <laughs> I feel like most spies were angsty enough to also be playwrights. Like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I just think his life is super fascinating. And I think that we, a lot of people will say that like, oh, Marlowe's actually a better writer than Shakespeare. And like, you know, the, you know, like I said, like the only reason why, he isn't more famous is because he died so young, which I think that is true. But I also don't think that it's necessarily true that he would have. I think that he, his work has been so like, so kind of like idealized and like made into like more of a phenomenon than it possibly really was. Because he died young. And I think that happens with a lot of artists who, you know, pass before, before their time, um, that their, their work is posthumously kind of given this elevated status, um, because of that. But yeah, anyway, I just wanted to talk about Christopher Marlowe for a second. (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, it's a shame. Like, I wonder what else would have, um, I don't know, I want like a... A spy-based story. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, there is one. Really? There is, I haven't read it. I haven't read it yet, but it is definitely on my list. Um, and uh, <laughs> the author uh, is my mutual on Twitter. Cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. She. I. Um, the internet's cool. It's awesome. Uh, it is. <laughs> the author is Allison Epstein. Okay. And she does follow me on Twitter. Um, I don't know why. Because you're awesome. But that's pretty cool. (laughs) And the book is called A Tip for the Hangman. Yeah. And so I just wanted to talk about Christopher Marlowe because I think we should talk more about him. Absolutely. Um, He's someone that's always been on my radar, but I've never known too terribly much about. So, yeah. And it's interesting that Marlowe shows up as a character sometimes in things. Sure. Um, like, I think he's a character. He's in Shakespeare in Love, right? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's also in, uh, as a character, in um, uh, A Discovery of Witches. Uh, okay. And in that, he's like... Uh, a demon (laughs) but not like a like so like demons within this universe are like magical creatures they're not like that like that kind of demon sure um which is interesting considering that he wrote a play about the devil right so (laughs) that's interesting yeah i love that um i love those little nods they're so much fun so do you remember what your first experience was with our friend, Dr. Faustus? I think I was aware of this, um, this kind of plot point through like Looney Tunes or Animaniacs or, you know what oh, I mean? Sure. When they yeah. like introduce this idea that their character really needs like whatever and um like a devil appears and they make a pact and then it doesn't go well um and kind of, it's kind of like a 30 second dr faustus 
Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's where I first got it. And then um, all throughout like high school and stuff, it has some, some reverbs and reiterations in like, like metal music and like pop mu- or oh. pop punk music and stuff. It's very like metal or whatever. So um, <laughs> I can't help but think of that every time I talk about it as well. Just kind of, again, not necessarily about Marlowe, but about this idea of making um, a deal with the devil and like mm-hmm. sold my soul for the whatever, you know, like just very metal. Um <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way you say that. <laughs> uh, it it makes me think of like Lane's band in in Gilmore Girls. Oh, you know? yeah, totally. Those kind of silly things. What about you? What were your like? First- they think they're like, like they think they're really cool for making this literary reference. Absolutely. Like- <laughs> Can't you imagine like? <laughs> Her boyfriend turned husband, like, yeah, it's going to be about, like, Faustus. <laughs> like, just, um, yeah. Oh, you don't get it? That's because you don't read. Like, you know, just, like, I don't know. That's what I think of. What about you? What were your first experiences? Um, well, my first experience I mentioned earlier um, was the Wishbone episode. Yes. Um, like I said, Wishbone is responsible for introducing me to many, <laughs> many works in the uh, Western canon of literature. Sure. Um, yeah, Faustus was one of them. Um, and I don't remember. I wish I, I should have rewatched that episode before we did this because <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember if that if it was based on the play or if it was based on like the older stories. Okay. Um, yeah. If like which which source they used for that. Um but yeah, that was my first <laughs> my first exposure to this idea. Um and then like yeah, like you said, like this kind of like cultural reverberation of like making a deal with the devil, you know, selling your soul for some kind of short term reward. Yeah. Um, that shows up again and again and again within media and literature. Um, the, like one of the like biggest examples that I think everyone would be familiar with is the little mermaid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Where she, like she wants legs. And so she makes a deal with the sea, witch. um, that basically like you know in in exchange for um you know spending a few days on land with legs um she you know like if she doesn't succeed on you know what her like what her goal or her mission is then like she you know becomes a a servant to ursula yeah um, for the rest of eternity right um for the low, and low of course that's of- the Disney, right, 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 right. And the, I, like, yeah, like that's the Disney one, and I think the Disney version more clearly references Faustus because you have that scene where Ariel is like signing the contract. Yeah. Um, I think the original story of the Little Mermaid is not as clearly, um tied to that but there is that element in there as well yeah um in the original story but yeah that's <laughs> uh yeah that's fun it also it makes me think of something that would like that eleanor would bring up in chidi's classroom in the middle of like the good place oh, you know what i mean yes, like totally it feels like that kind of introduction to ethics or like maybe on your first day in a 101 course, your teacher would say, like, you know, like pose this question. It feels right. very like kind of universally thought about. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's my first. Nice. That's my history. My tragical history <laughs> of Dr. Faustus. Right. Um <laughs> What else do we... Oh, tell me a little bit about uh, what you learned about um, comics. The comics that yeah. have kind of echoes or, like, inspiration 
from Dr. Faustus. Yeah, I was, um, there are, of course, like, more proper comics of the original, like, German tales or whatever. And then there's also um, this really big, in both Marvel and DC, there are supervillains and a superhero Ooh. who have their roots in Faustus. So, uh, or Faust, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh. tell our warn, our learn, or not learners. I'm gonna tell our listeners. I'm gonna mess up <laughs> Doctor. Teacher. Yeah, right. It just pops out. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> mess up Doctor Faustus and Faust. I'm gonna just, you know what I mean. This is your disclaimer. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, because like. Yeah, like Frankenstein is the guy yeah. and the monster is is Frankenstein's monster, but who's the real monster? It's actually Frankenstein. So, okay. So, anyway. <laughs> it's whatever, nerds, it's fine. So, but, ooh, Frankenstein is a little bit of a Faustian bargain there, huh? Yeah. Right. Hey. Yeah. Hey, right? look at you. Ah, look at that. Look anyway. At, look at you being smart and stuff. Um <laughs> sometimes. So, <laughs> Marvel and DC both, um, and I think we see that a lot, that Marvel will do something and then DC will follow pretty closely or, or the other way around. Right, um, or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, which I just think is hilarious um, for how yeah. much there's a divide, <laughs> you know, like I'm getting, I can feel the internet getting mad at me as I say that, but like they <laughs> often explore the same things, but then they're like, no, but I did it. It's like, okay, you both did, you're both, uh-huh. you're both pretty, like it's fine, but um, right. <laughs> You're both pretty. You're both pretty. <laughs> so um, we'll start with, uh, we'll start backwards. So Marvel has a supervillain, um, Dr. Faustus, or Johann Fenoff, um, who's a, hmm. he's a villain um, and a psychologist who um, manipulates his, um, his, enemies or his opposites or whatever he's often a rival of captain america and Ah, and then we also see him in the tv series agent carter um but the yeah the similarity there between him and the original is that he manipulates his foes into situations which might lead them to decide to end their lives so he uses that so it's kind of like jigsaw yeah, 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 yeah. He, um, it's that manipulation piece. It's less so about making a deal or like any sort of contract, but it's that manipulation. Like, I'm going to give you what you want if you just do this. You know, we see that's how we see the man- manipulation. Like, you can trust me in the original. Right. And then um, in the comics, they just kind of distill that um, idea of manipulation to put him into and I also just think it's interesting that he's a psychologist like a a, a an evil psychologist um mm. which is like to me that kind of adds to the um like you can trust me vibe you know what I mean like that's the sure. same as yeah. oh I'm obviously gonna uphold our bargain of course I am like of course you can trust me I'm a psychologist <laughs> you know whatever um so that is the Marvel version, um, and he is he he hangs out for a really long time. Actually, um, there's a bunch of kind of adventures that he goes on. Um, but then DC does something interesting because DC makes a villain and a hero that bo- are both rooted mm. in Faust. So interesting, right? So DC goes a little bit more magical with it. Um, I love that. Yeah. Love a magical superhero. Right? <laughs> um, so DC has Felix Faust, who is an ancient sorcerer, who gets his power by making deals with demons. Um, mm, so okay. it's that interesting thing where in Marvel, um, the manipulation piece was... Um, through kind of things we might see happening in real life, like a psychologist might lie and then have you try all these things and kind of ruin your life. Um, But in Mm. DC, (laughs) sure, sure. (laughs) My little (laughs) bias there. And then in DC, um, it's super magical. So an ancient sorcerer 
makes deals with demons. I, I wish I had looked up if he had ever been like a good guy and then had kind of started to demonize himself as he was making these deals. But that's kind of the idea that I got from it. Like he, mm-hmm. he made so many of these deals that he starts to become, starts to look a little evil after around the edges after a while. Um, <laughs> as you do, um, Man, when I was in my, like, 12th deal with the devil, I started to just make a lot of different choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) And then there's Sebastian Faust, who is a superhero, who his whole origin story is loosely based on the original. So he made a deal with the devil. He got his powers that way. Blah, 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 blah. But I just thought it was interesting that, like, both the... Um, Marvel and DC were inspired by this um, this kind of origin story and then just how they kind of reverbed it in their worlds so differently mm-hmm. you know um, yeah yeah so I wonder if like so the one who is a good guy I wonder like and I'm sure we could look into this and, and find out but I wonder like how that sort of like manifests in his stories like right what you know like what are the outcomes of of his stories if he's kind of like made this deal with the devil but he's a good guy like how does that oh i have an update um, oh okay <laughs> so he is the eldest son of felix faust the sorcerer i just talked ah, about and he okay. sold his soul in a faustian bargain so he sold his, he was out of all out of his soul and so he had to sell his son's soul um okay gotcha and then now he can perform magic naturally. Um, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it, the transfer malfunctioned. So it was supposed the power was supposed to go to Felix, and it actually transferred to his son because he used his son's soul. It went to mm-hmm. the son. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. That kind of makes me think of like fairy tales, like. Like Rumpelstiltskin, yeah. Um, where like the the miller's daughter makes a deal with Rumpelstiltskin, um, you know that in exchange for spinning the straw into gold, she will give up her firstborn child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, like you know, she figures out a way to get out of it. But yeah, that's oh, there's another another interesting connection there. Totally. And. Uh, Rapunzel as well. Rapunzel's father makes a deal with a witch that in exchange for these plants that his wife wants to eat, they'll give they'll give up their their child. There's lots of like giving up children in fairy tales. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's, but that sounds like that's kind of like what who, Felix Faust is that the yeah Felix gave up his son um, but then his son got Sebastian got the power um okay and that's also kind of what Sebastian why Sebastian went to be like a good superhero and kind of got a little disillusioned when his father was you know selling his soul you know you could understand how how you'd yeah. kind of be like, no, you know, I'm just going to be over here. Yeah. I don't really. <laughs> like like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, well, speaking of Darth Vader. Um... <laughs> when are we ever not, really? I mean. <laughs> I mean, when are we? Yes. We as a culture do not talk enough about Darth Vader. It's true. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I I so I did actually want to talk about Darth Vader um slash Anakin Skywalker cuz they're spoiler they're the same person. Um <gasps> what? So <laughs> um I I really want to um shout out uh a couple of of friends that I made on TikTok. Um Julia and Fern who host the Star Wars English class podcast. Yes. They, it's so good. You guys need to go listen to it. They, it, they, it's, it's 
kind of similar in premise to what we do, except they like exclusively talk about Star Wars. And so they're able to go like really, really deep dive into some really cool things. That's awesome. You should go check that out. Um, They recently did an episode about Faustus and kind of like the themes that we see from Faustus within Star Wars. Cool. Um, So they talked a lot about um anakin skywalker who you know they they call it um making a deal with the sith who you know kind of stand in for um that devil role in faustus so yeah in um yeah so in revenge of the sith anakin skywalker makes that choice to kind of sell his soul to the sith in exchange for what he thinks um will he you know he thinks will be the ability to um protect the people that he loves um but um you know it does not work out that way um sure. <laughs> yeah um and i like I, just go listen to their episode because they uh julia uh explains it way better than than i ever could um <laughs> so yeah listen to that that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We should do a collabo sometime. We should. Julia and Fern, if you are listening to this, <laughs> we would like to collab with you. Yes. You know how to reach us. Okay. I will formally send a raven to your home and it will tap twice and <laughs> and present um the opportunity to sell. And it will say nevermore. Nevermore. Please sell your soul to the devil in return for a chance to Yes. Oh, and we can talk about Edgar Allan Poe. That'd be fun. Aw, Poe. <laughs> Aw, Edgar Allan Poe Dameron. Oh, there's the Star Wars connection. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh, dear. I'm sorry. Oh, dear. I'm sorry. I deeply apologize. Oh, oh dear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's really interesting when we get these kind of bare bones ideas that... Um, are shown in like a bunch of different situations and a bunch of different, like from Disney to comic books to like straight theater, you know, to like opera and ballet. I think Mm -hmm. it's really interesting when we have like relatively simple idea, you know, trade your soul for, um, for something that you really want or or need or whatever. Um, There's also a wide range of variants there between, need versus want I think like there's there's situations when you see this happen where you kind of understand like if I've seen it done where like in order to save someone else's soul they'll set like they'll give their soul and then that person gets to live but they have a contract with Mm -hmm. the devil you know um then we see things that um, matter a little bit less like I don't know, is collateral. So I think it's just interesting to see all the different ways that like need versus want are explored in this. Mm, sure. I think. Yeah. Um, tell me about damn Yankees. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I thought that was kind of a good segue there because in damn Yankees, um, he sells his soul to become a better a baseball player so that his team will ah, win. Okay. Uh, and like it's it's to win a sports ball game. It's like a sport okay. they got sports games here. <laughs> <laughs> like it just kind of feels it's such a it's such a weird musical. Oh my god. Like it's just all over the I've, place. Yeah, I I know like nothing about it except that Andy Bernard played the Bat Boy in Damn Yankee. It's also like... That's the only thing I know. <laughs> it's this weird thing that we see a lot in musical theater as well, where like the good, like air quotes are going up right now, but the good old American mm-hmm. boys are playing baseball. And then the devil, of sure. course, like has an accent, you know, and the devil is over-sexualized uh, and it's very, okay. it's one of those jams where like, it's super cringy to look at it now because 
Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's it's just that kind of American, Ameri- like, kind of like the toxic Americana we talked toxic about. Toxic Americana, yeah. sure. Yeah. Or kind of like uh, like Oscar Wilde. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Remember, remember last time when we talked about Oscar Wilde? <laughs> remember that time? So I... W- <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Um, so do you want to talk about him again? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, he also, he wrote plays, but then he, like, also wrote this book. Oh, yeah. Called The Picture of Dorian Gray. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that has echoes of Faust and Faustian Bargain. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why I'm I'm phrasing it like this. This is weird. No, I I'm liked sorry. it. Okay, I so was... the, <laughs> the Picture of Dorian Gray. Um yeah, I think, you know, uh, so I like I think like most people are kind of familiar with at least like the premise. Um, so you have uh, this guy named Dorian Gray who um, does not age, but um, that's because he has a painting of himself in his attic that like ages for him. Right. And um that it's been a long time since I read the book, so I don't remember like all the details. I probably should have like looked this up and prepared more before we started talking about this. No, but <laughs> it's summertime, baby. But like I think we do eventually kind of we we eventually kind of piece together that um, that you know like this was like kind of a supernatural bargain that he made, um, and like kind of as as he as Dorian Gray kind of becomes. Um, like more and more um, corrupted, like his soul becomes more and more corrupted as he does worse and worse things <laughs> to people. Sure. Um, like hit the painting of him that he has, like kind of starts to um, show that kind of moral decay. Um, yeah. In a way. And it's, yeah, I think it's like a, a more abstract or slightly looser connection to that idea of a Faustian bargain, but I think it is a big, a, a a big like literary touchstone in in this kind of idea of like making a deal, yeah, and getting not what you bargained for. Yeah, you know? sure. Did you have any thoughts about that? Oh yeah, I I just am always um, I don't know, I'm just kind of still forming half thoughts. I feel like about like yeah. Yeah, just and I feel like so, and yeah, so we we kind of talked about this a little bit off the mics, that like, I I think, I think this play, more than, probably more than any of the others that we have, on our schedule for summer theater program, I think this one is more of like, it's more of like, abstract or like more. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like of like an abstract influence in in our culture. Yeah. It's more of like the the general idea has sort of integrated itself into a lot of the works um of literature and of media um that we have in like less noticeable ways than like Romeo and Juliet. Right. Um, and and part of that could you know be because this idea isn't exclusive to this story even like within the context of you know 16th century england when it was written um yeah. you know like i mentioned like a few fairy tales that have kind of a similar idea as that so that could be why but um <laughs> and it's one too or like i was researching I think between, like, in the early 1900s, there's, like, a million um, film versions. You know, there's, like, like we were really right. exploring yeah. this, and it was, like, a really um, new, evocative thing. And now um, evidence of it becoming so intertwined in our, in our um, cultural conversation is that Mm-hmm. It shows up in the Animaniacs, like I mentioned. You know what I mean? Like, it, right. it's no yeah. longer like this big controversial thing. It's more like kind of commonplace and kind of old hat a little bit. Um, sure. Yeah. 
There's And so that I think that makes it really interesting when we see this concept done you know done and and referenced but in like more innovative yeah. and creative ways than we've seen before um one example uh that comes to mind for me is the invisible life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab yes um yeah have you read it it's on it's another one that's on my TBR it's on it's on the list yeah yeah yeah, yeah um I I read it back in like February and I still haven't like fully processed everything about it. Sure. Um, but it is. Um, so just like in case there's anyone who isn't familiar. So um, this book actually just came out like last uh, September or October, I want to say. Um, so it's fairly recent. Um, but it's about a, a young woman in... 18th century France who um, makes a deal with some kind of supernatural being. We never find, I don't think we ever find out exactly, you know, if he's like a demon or, or like a, a you know, like a demon, like within Christian theology or like, uh, like a pagan um, supernatural entity of some kind. I think it leans more toward that. Okay. Um, yeah. So she makes a deal with him um, um, on the eve of her wedding day because she decides that she does not want to get married and be trapped in this, you know, this very narrow world that women would have been trapped in in the 18th century in Europe. Um, So she doesn't she doesn't want to be trapped in that. And so she makes a deal. So the deal is that she will she essentially like becomes immortal. Um, so like she doesn't age and she, um, um, there's like one scene where she like kind of passes out from hunger, but she never actually dies. So like, she's like in, in, um, what's the word impervious. Is that the right word? She's impervious to things that normally kill humans. Um, and she doesn't age as part of that. Um, but the catch is that every single person she meets will immediately forget her as soon as she's out of sight. Wow. So that means like her family has all forgotten her when, like when she goes back to her family, like they don't know who she is. Um, and so, you know, she leaves and like she travels around and, so it starts out in the 18th century and then there's like another um, like parallel story that of like what she's doing, you know, in the present. Um, and so like it shows that like, you know, she's she's like fallen in love with people, but they haven't remembered her. So it's like very, very sad. Wow. Um, and you should definitely read it. Um. Yeah. Nicole said um, I should read it. And she was like, it's super, super oh, okay. sad, though, like super sad. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's very good though. But yeah, um, <laughs> I'm just trying to convince you to read really sad books. Nice. <laughs> no, I like it. I usually, I actually have a, yeah, I have a taste for, for super sad things anyway. So yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just what a concept, like instantly being forgotten. Right. Yeah. I think that's so much more interesting than like, I don't know, some of the original, like, some of the original things that were bargained, you know, like that's such Mm. an interesting kind of nuanced idea. Like you'll be forgotten. Right. Wow. Yeah. And I like, I've been trying to think of like other um, story, other like kind of popular contemporary stories that I would compare it to yeah and I really like can't think of anything like I think it's a really unique you know besides that kind of inspiration from from both Faustus and Dorian Gray really um yeah I yeah like I just I think it's a it's a very creative and innovative way of reframing that concept and that kind of story so I I recently just um, realized that I I like to use the the word reframing a lot. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, 
because like I mean that's like our entire podcast is about how we keep reframing the same concepts and the same stories yeah um over and over so yeah um anyway um uh, hi meg from disney's hercules does this with hades she sells her soul oh totally Mm -hmm. yes disney has a lot of a lot of faustian bargains going on and i was thinking when we were talking about like looney tunes and animaniacs and then disney i think it's a good way to build character history um because once once kids Mm. know this idea you can just say that in a one-liner and then that's that story or that character has a backstory then you kind of understand it's like right it's yeah. kind of like a just add water backstory a little bit um, <laughs> it's up to you readers to decide if or listeners to decide if that's lazy cough cough but mm. um but yeah <laughs> it's, um, yeah <laughs> it definitely can lean that way yeah I think it's yeah it's sort of just become kind of a shorthand like a character shorthand yeah um Kind of like uh, putting a female character in a corset to show that she's oppressed. You know, yeah. it's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> oh, dear. It's lazy um, unless you do something different with it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you continue the conversation in some way, you know, like you got to yeah. you got to continue it somehow. Um, I feel like. I'm a little surprised this doesn't happen in the Pirates movies, unless it does. So much happens in those movies. Um, uh, I would say that there's a little bit of like an echo yeah. of that in the Pirates stories. Be- well, with um, the the curse uh, that the that the crew of the Black Pearl is under, um, that was a bit of a Faustian bargain right. because it's like you get the treasure but you're cursed yeah. like that kind of a yeah and now we're kind of getting into like things that are more ambiguously or tangentially related <laughs> um, but yeah I feel like yeah that's in there like yeah like like we've been like we've been saying this is such a pervasive yeah. idea such a pervasive like storytelling um, tactic that we're so familiar with in the stories that we consume that it's, 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 uh, it's not in everything, but it's in a lot of things. Um, I think the main, yeah. <laughs> the main reason I, I wondered about that one was because I think of those as pretty lazy movies. And so I was like, yeah, <laughs> that would have fit pretty well in there for yeah. like that extra, those movies just feel like a like a camera dump of like just everything. <laughs> like we uh-huh. just need a bunch of like, stuff. Like here, we're just gonna just gonna throw a bunch of tropes on here and <laughs> yeah. see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> anyway, oh, so The Little Mermaid is over and now Disney Plus wants me to watch The Little Mermaid 2 Return to the Sea. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know about that. You know, it's this. I wish more iterations of this were done in like community theater spaces because I think it would be really interesting to see how local artists would envision this kind of a thought process. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool. Maybe you and I should write something. Yeah. Because we don't have enough going on because we don't have <laughs> enough going on. oh yeah um i was well i actually what oh, i have an idea i want to talk to you about when we're off the mics <laughs> Ooh, i love ideas anyway <laughs> um, yeah so we've been rambling for a while um i like it i, li- I like our rambles i do too um yeah i think this is a little bit of a different yeah um, a bit of a different direction for this discussion than we might have originally expected, but I like it. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking of metal, metal Faustos. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. You know, in the same way that it's just add water plot complication, it's also like we were talking about just just add water sophistication. Like, oh yes, Faustos. Mm. You know, like it's, Yes. 
I'm not referencing Shakespeare. I'm referencing Marlowe. Marlowe. Okay. Marlowe is, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Marlowe is like Shakespeare for like hipsters. Yes. We should put that on a t-shirt. Marlowe is Shakespeare for hipsters. Marlowe is Shakespeare <gasps> for hipsters. I love it. <laughs> yes. Well. Well. Should we wrap this up? Uh, yeah. I'm pretty excited for our next episode. Uh-huh. What, what's that one going to be about? Well. I could have danced all night. I could have danced all night. Yeah, yeah. Rhonda, you like to dance. What about it? You were just going to tell us I what do. our next um, thing was, and then you just started singing. Um, what's our next thing? <laughs> Come on, Rover, move your blooming ass. Oh, no, we broke Rhonda. I don't know what's happening <laughs> right now. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes, we're talking about... Uh, so we're, it's it's kind of a double episode, but not really. So we're talking about Pygmalion uh-huh. by George Bernard Shaw and the Lerner and Lowe musical My Fair Lady, because, yes. of course, they are the same yes. story. So we'll talk about both of them. Yeah. And it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good. Um, I'm excited. It's one of my favorite musicals. You know how I am when it comes to musical theater. Oh my goodness. What are we going to do? Oh no. Um, that, that's <laughs> one where there's been a lot of iterations of it. And it's kind of. Oh yeah, for sure. A favorite of the community theater scene. In oh yeah. Really good way. <laughs> um, Definitely. Yeah. Well, I think. Our summer theater program is off to a good, um, well, I guess, middle now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're in the middle. We're in the thick of it. We're in the thick of it. Oh, dear. Into the thick of it. <laughs> oh, dear. It's hot today. Okay. So I'm losing So, it. guys, yes, guys and gals and non binary pals, um, thank you for joining us. Yes. <laughs> Um, um and uh join us next time for my fair lady slash pygmalion and in the meantime go go pitch faust to your local community theater and go have some fun yes yes you know what would be really interesting is if somebody like reimagined faust as a comedy Ooh. What a challenge that would be. Anyway, food Ooh. for thought. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, we will see you next time, or uh, catch you next time, friends. <laughs> Enjoy the summer, yeah. or, you know, whatever whatever season it is right now in the hemisphere. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, thanks all for listening. Take care of each other. All right, bye. Bye.